All right, this is a very good show. We do about 11-plus minutes on college basketball. I reveal my pick to cut down the nets in Houston. And then Bijan and Rohi join to talk Patriots, Bucks, Celtics, Bulls, Kyrie, the World Series, college football, and college hoops. So, yeah, thanks for listening. We're hoping to do an in-person show over Thanksgiving break, the classic annual sports things we're thankful for. And, yeah, it's a good show. And uh, let's toss it to the College Hoops Talk. College basketball is back. And just like last year, I'm going to make my preseason national championship pick. And a year ago, I did, in fact, pick Kansas, let the record show. But, of course, I did not actually pick them come tourney time. Come time for the brackets to be filled out. So, Using the same logic as last year, again, the tapes exist. Listen back to a year ago. Uh, my my way of doing this was looking at the Ken Palm preseason top five teams. Let me just double check to see if he's made any changes. I assume not. No, no changes have been made. Of course, no games have gone on yet. So the top five teams for Ken Palm right now are in order. Kentucky, Texas, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Virginia. Because there's some sort of stat that says that in most of the recent years, or all the recent years, either most or all, there's a strong correlation. The eventual national champion comes from the preseason top five uh, Ken Palm list. Um, So out of Kentucky, Texas, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Virginia, history tells us it'll be one of those teams. So let's start crossing off those teams that I don't trust to win at all. Kentucky. Absolutely cannot trust them after I picked them in my bracket to win it all, and they lost to St. Peter's, right? Coach Cal, make me believe in you again. Oscar Shibway, most people don't know about this. The reigning National Player of the Year got a procedure on his knee in October, and Cal has been kind of coy about it. He is tracking, according to my latest information, to, to not play in the season opener, and I don't want to speculate, but I'd imagine that he will miss more than just one game this season due to that lingering knee injury. They also lost Ty Ty Washington, who I wasn't super high on, but at least he gave them another guard option besides Severe Wheeler, who was clearly limited in that tournament game. And they also lost their top three-point shooter a year ago in Kellen Grady, Massachusetts Massachusetts native. Uh, Recruiting-wise, they did have the number five recruiting class headlined by five stars Carson Wallace and Chris Livingston. And they do have seniors at the two most important positions, of course, Wheeler at point guard and Sheway at center. Plus, they got Jacob Toppin, yes, the younger brother of Obi Toppin of the Knicks at power forward. But the Wildcats have not won a March Madness game since 2019, and they're better on paper than they will be in reality. And again, Sheway has to be 100% for them to be really good, and I just have my doubts about that. All right, team number two to cross off. Gonzaga, they still have never won at all. They're still in the WCC. Chet is gone. Obviously, the number two overall pick in the NBA draft. He was super impactful for them, especially their defense. And he took some pressure off of Timmy offensively. They also lost the really nice point guard, Nemhard, of the draft. And guess what? They only reached the Sweet 16 with those two guys. So, again, just like my point at this time last year, if they couldn't win the title with Suggs and Kispert in that 2021 season, how could they win it all in 2022? And then if they lost the number two overall draft pick and they're a very good point guard, how will they be better this season? I know Strother is good, but he's nothing special. Bolton's good, but nothing special. 
And Watson, he's good, but again, nothing special. And they got pretty, they got beat pretty handily last weekend by Tennessee, who is the next team on the docket here. So Tennessee made a headline for them. If Rick Barnes wasn't their coach, they would probably be my pick to win it all. Um, Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James are good seniors. Plus, they got that 7-1 dude from Serbia, also a senior. Zakai Ziegler is one of the best point guards in the country. He was awesome as a freshman a year ago. He's going to be even better as a sophomore. Recruiting-wise, they have the 21st best class in America. Julian Phillips is the name to know from that bunch. He's a five-star small forward who is ranked first in the state of Missouri. So on paper, they have a very good team. Their defense will once again be elite. That's their calling card. But look, history under Rick Barnes doesn't favor them. Even dating back to 2010, even when Barnes was still, a, was still at Texas, Tennessee hasn't reached the Elite Eight since 2010. Since 2010, they haven't even reached the Elite Eight. How will I trust them to make a Final Four to win a championship if the program hasn't been to the Elite Eight since 2010? And under Rick Barnes, here are their tournament to their their tournament finishes since 2018. Second round, Sweet 16 with Grant Williams. First round and second round this past season to the 11 seed Michigan Wolverines. Next on the list, Virginia. Uh, the one thing that sticks out to me is that Kihei Clark is still on the team. Last year, I said uh, they had no business being ranked number 25 to start the season, and that take proved true. But this season, they might not be ranked high enough, only 18th in the AP preseason poll. So I like how Clark, Gardner, and Franklin are all seniors. That's a very good core. And those three alone will probably lead them to 20-plus wins. Recruiting-wise, they have the 13th-ranked class in the nation. They have four four stars, which is pretty on-brand for Tony Bennett, I feel like. A bunch of very solid players, but perhaps no elite players. And their top three recruits are each ranked in the 60s, coincidentally, and are ranked top two in their respective states of, get this, Nebraska, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. Just terrific on-brand guys for that Tony Bennett program. One transfer of note here, Ben Vanderplas from Ohio. He averaged 14 and 7 last season for the Bobcats. So the Cavaliers will have a strong rotation. They will be good. I predict that they'll definitely reach the Sweet 16, but I think their ceiling is the Elite Eight. So Virginia, a, a high floor, but maybe a low ceiling team is what I project out of the Wahoos. So that leaves us with Texas. The Longhorns were ranked too highly in last year's preseason AP poll fifth. It was their first year with former Texas Tech coach Chris Beard, and now he's in year two with the program, and not as many people are talking about the Longhorns this year than last year, which I think is good. Recent national champions have come from either the Big 12, the ACC, or the Big East, and Texas, of course, is from the Big 12. Of course, the last two national champions have come from the Big 12, Baylor in 2021 and Kansas in 2022. This Texas team crushed the 10th-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks last weekend. They were up by 30 points at one point in that exhibition game. And I just love, I love the makeup of this Texas roster. They have lots of good seniors. Timmy Allen, a bucket. Marcus Carr, the Minnesota transfer, now in year two with the program. He's also senior. He's a bucket. Christian Bishop, the, the, the Creighton transfer. He's also now in year two with the program. He's a senior. And then Brock Cunningham, a native of Austin, Texas. He is another senior. 
In the transfer portal, this name really surprised me that they were able to get him from in-conference foe Iowa State. That's Tyrese Hunter, the sensational point guard. Uh, I don't love kind of the juju, the 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 karma, if you will, that he left Ames for an in-conference foe, but we'll let that slide for now. He was the Big 12 freshman of the year. He's legit. And Texas also got a senior guard transfer from New Mexico State. His name is Sir Jabari Rice, who, by the way, played with Timmy Allen's brother, Teddy Allen, who, if you remember, was the guy who basically single-handedly beat UConn this past year in the round of 64 back in March. But wait, there's more. Recruiting-wise, they have the sixth best freshman class in the country, headlined by Dylan Mitchell, a Montverde Academy product, and the number five overall prospect in the class of 2022. Texas also has a five-star point guard, Artario Morris, a Dallas native, and he's the number one point guard in the entire class. Love to see that. And Texas also got a four-star point guard from Northfield, Mass., Rowan Brumbaugh, and I had to look up Northfield on the map, and it's on the Vermont border. Basically, if you head west on Route 2, you get off right before reaching Greenfield. It's population under 3,000, and somehow Northfield managed to get two nationally recognized recruits. Wonder what's going on over there. But but yeah, that's my whole Texas spiel. I, I love them to win it all. I will say another trend and form of logic to pick a national title winner that goes against the Texas pick is that in 28 of the last 33 seasons and in each of the last seven seasons, the eventual national champion was ranked in the top 11 of the preseason AP poll. Texas is 12th. So I'm going to let that slide. Teams that are in the AP top 11 and in the Ken Palm top five, which is what I'm doing, are Kentucky, Gonzaga, and Tennessee. But I already addressed my columns with each of those teams. Texas it's just 36 points back of Tennessee, who is ranked 11th. So I think that's a trivial margin. So while I appreciate that statistical trend, I'm overruling it and sticking with my logic. Texas will be the 2023 men's basketball uh, uh, champion. So to recap, as I'm hungry, I don't trust Calipari and Shibway has a notable knee injury. Gonzaga doesn't have Chet or Nemhar this year and only has reached a Sweet 16 with those guys. Tennessee has Rick Barnes at the helm and hasn't made a deep tourney run in recent years. Virginia doesn't have top-tier talent. And Texas, on the contrary to those teams, has strong senior talent, great freshmen, great transfer pieces, and is entering year two under Chris Beard. And also, I like how they got NCAA tournament experience last season with a win against Virginia Tech. Remember, that was a team in the Hokies that everyone and their mother had beating the Longhorns. And then, and then they hung right in there with Purdue for most of the round of 32 game. One last team worth mentioning in this conversation, North Carolina. Obviously, they're the reigning uh, runner-ups and returned four of their five starters. I think they're number one in the AP preseason poll. In 2016, they lost in the national championship to Villanova, and then they got redemption the following year by winning it all. So watch out for that storyline this season. But yeah, that's the college basketball preview. I picked Kansas correctly with this last year at this time of year. I'm picking Texas for the 2023 national championship. We'll see if I actually do pick them come bracket time. But be excited for college basketball. The season is upon us. And now let's toss it to the main portion of the episode with Bijan Sharifi. Rohit D'Souza, and a little bit of Max Topol. 
Let's go. CTB 133 with Bijan Sharifi and Rohit D'Souza. I'm Austin Barrick. We have a lot to get on the docket today, but we will start with the Patriots of New England. And I know John and, and Anthony are going to the game today against the Colts, the 1 p.m. kickoff. Um, my opening spiel, I think the Patriots are good, not great. Offensively, we are very limited. The quarterback controversy situation, which I hope is behind us now, hasn't made it any better. I think we could make the playoffs, but I do not see us competing with the top tier teams in the AFC, specifically the Bills. They're so much better than us, the Chiefs. And let's even throw in the Ravens, although I do think they might be in a trap game situation Monday night against the Saints. The old saying is You're not gonna mention the Dolphins. You're not gonna mention the Dolphins. I won't I won't mention the Why? Dolphins. I know they made a couple trades. I know they made a couple trades, Bradley. Yeah, I think you have to. I think they I think I'm not saying I'm all in on the Dolphins, but okay. I think okay. the Dolphins have to be from what we've seen when they have Tua. And I'm not I all this bullshit coming out about oh like oh uh her two is better than Herbert. Like I don't buy any of that bullshit. I'm not but when you have Tyreek and Waddle plus all line like their own line's not bad, and then they they're making win now defensive trade moves. I mean, I don't love the, the Bradley Chubb. I don't like love the Bradley Chubb trade. I don't think I know he's having a good year. Um, so that might help, but um I don't know. I think I think with when you have Tyreek on your team and and Tua has shown that he can get it done. Now, can he get it done in the biggest moments? I don't remember. I don't in the college in college. I don't remember how he was in that. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. he did have a walk off throw to Devontae Smith to beat Georgia in the national title game. Uh, yeah. I think that was in. I think that was in relief of of Jalen Hurts actually. But the the larger yeah. point, yes, Bijan, you're right. Let's throw in the Dolphins there as well. Although I do think tier one Bills Chiefs, tier two Ravens Dolphins. But yeah. back to the Patriots. The phrase is you are what your record says you are. And I think that the Patriots record of four and four is very representative of how we played through the first eight weeks. Bijan, from what you know, would you agree with that statement? With what? They're just very average. Very average. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's All what right. they are. I, I knew that. Like, if you look at their roster, they're very average, but they have the best coach ever. But he's making some, in my opinion, weird decisions with the play calling and all that shit with the quarterback. But I don't know that they're, I think they're a below average roster with obviously above average coaching. And even that, even though I'm questioning some of the things, I still think like that defense, like that defense is still um, Belichick's defense. So yeah, their offense is not good though. But I think their defense makes them, um, even though it's not as dominant as it once was, it makes them like a pretty good like a pretty good defense and that kind of makes them bounces out, makes them kind of like an average NFL team. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, I will say two players that come to mind that I strongly believe are very good to borderline elites at their position, Matthew Judon. And tell me if I'm overreacting Ramondre Stevenson, I He's think perfect. might be a top 10 running back right now. I Maybe. think, he every time he touches the football, exciting stuff happens. He's so I advocate for him. I advocate for Ramondre. Good. I love that advocation from you, Bijan. Um, yeah, I mean, he's super strong, super agile. He had a sick one-handed catch that he made look effortless against the Jets the other week. Um, he's just he's a very exciting player to watch. The rest of the offensive options are are like almost non-existent besides him and, and Jacoby Myers. I mean, 
You look at Bourne and Aguilar, who have basically been in the witness protection program, as Sean McDonough would say. Um, yeah, what's going on with that, right? They, like, beef at Belichick or something? There was some early – there is some preseason training camp stuff. Well, I remember I was at that training camp when they there was, like, a massive fight with Kendrick Bourne. But that was, like, against the Panthers. Yes, against the Panthers. Yeah. It's been weird. It's been very weird. It's it's like Hunter Henry has not been as involved as he was last season. Johnny Smith pops up like twice a game, uh, like every other week. Um, it's this offense is largely predicated on running the football and dump offs down low and like crossing patterns. And it's just it's not an offense that creates explosive plays, which is why I say it's limited. The defense is the defense is good. The defense is good. Judon's awesome. Um, Duggar I like, but he's been in and out of the lineup. Um, Phillips is all right. I mean, it's a team, like you said, Bijan, who just plays better because it's so well coached by Belichick. But like their defense, the defense well coached. The defense is well coached. Um yeah. and you can rely on that, but you just this team can't really put teams away aside from that uh that 29-nothing game against the Lions, who uh, I guess we expose as frauds, but it's just, it's not an explosive team and a recipe to winning games is to keep it pretty low scoring. And that's why we have zero upside come playoff time. Rohit, yeah. as a notable hater of the Patriots, um, do you see New England making the playoffs? Bailey Sapp, they would. I don't believe in Mac Jones and I like Mac Jones. I think Bailey Sapp brings energy to the team. I think he brings energy to the crowd and the organization that Mac Jones just lacks. Max Jones brings this very strong, like, virgin energy to the team, and I just don't think for a playoff NFL team, you just can't have that. Bailey's that fucks. Row heat. Oh, man. Max Jones went to Alabama. Um, Bro, what about him makes him, like, virgin energy? Like, Yeah, like, because his name's Mac? No. The way he gritty. At the Pro Bowl, just the the way he plays, the way he looks, the way his mannerisms, the way he acts, just it's my swag. Okay, okay, it's it might be true. Yeah, he his his game is very conservative. Um, Bailey Zappi, there was that clip against after those two electric drives on Monday Night Football when he came in relief of Mac and had those touchdown drives. There was that clip of him casually singing along to Stacy's mom has got it going on. I wonder if Rohit, that's the clip you're referring to as Zappy having whatever word you you use to describe him. Definitely. I just think Zappy's Zappy to QB1. Would you would but, you say he got some Zach Wilson to him? The Zap Zappy? I love some Zach Wilson. I don't think I don't think Zappy's there yet. Zach Wilson's really just at he's at the top. There's no one near him. Well he's, he's at the top. top. Like he also like was the reason why we beat the Jets last week because of uh his three interceptions. I'm just purely talking on the football field, Zach Wilson. I oh, want that. Like, sure. yeah. Sure. I want, football. I want that guy to be good. Zach Wilson, for some reason, I like him, but um, he's not very good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, bringing it back to uh, not, not Zach Wilson, but the Pats here before we move on. I think a, another large portion of why the offense has been so mid is the offensive line has been bad. Maybe if not bad, but just worse than expected entering the season. I know David Andrews missed uh last week's game, but there's just 
always constant pressure and pocket collapsing around whichever quarterback is in the game, typically also Mac Jones. Um, and uh, it's just – it's something where I look at this Colts game, and I know for the listeners it's going to be Monday or Tuesday that you listen to this, and you'll know the, the outcome of this Colts game. But this is a game like the Bears game where I feel very confident entering – you can't put up a stinker. You got to be five and four. This is an easy win. You're playing Sam Ellinger at home. No, no, no. I, I like Sam Ellinger. Why? He he's got he's got upside. I liked what I saw from him last week. Okay. Okay. He, he I saw some uh, I saw some some footage on TikTok. Of course, you can make any player look good on TikTok, but. You could stepping up in the pocket, you know, making the right reads, mobile, makes made a throw from a nice arm angle. You know, I'm not saying he's great, but maybe he's he's an upgrade over Matt Ryan. That's why that that's why they might be going with him. Well, Matt Ryan uh has uh has seen better days, if you will. Yeah, has he though? Like he was never really that good. He had like the MVP year. Yeah, he has obviously he's had better days, but like yes. Like he's always been Matt Ryan. Like he was never like a top five quarterback. He literally oh, never ever. was. Yeah. Never. I'm but he won an MVP. So like, you know, even stat like a guy like Stafford was better than Matt Ryan, like way better. And even Stafford's never been really top five. Lakers Matt Ryan. Really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Four I find it funny that he plays crutch clutch time minute for the Laker clutch time minutes for the Lakers. And he couldn't make the Celtics uh, training camp roster. Like, he couldn't make the training camp. Right. Because apparently Justin Jackson's better. Um, Probably is. <laughs> but, but we already have Hauser. Don't get upset now. Oh, no. We will We will talk about Hauser in a little bit. Um, okay. But, but yeah. I love Hauser. Last point on this. Against Sam Ellinger, this is a game where mm-hmm. I want to see guys like McCourty and Jack Jones – uh, getting interceptions. I, that's what I see in the future for this game. And hopefully we do improve to five and four. Now for a team that's looking to improve to four and five, Bijan, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I called you guys uninspiring and pathetic last Thursday against the Ravens. What is wrong with your team? Yeah, you know, you know those games we would see Brady's first two years, we particularly against New Orleans. It feels like it's been an extension of that every week for the last four weeks right like two years ago or last three weeks and on three and a half games honestly because that second like they they were they were destroying atlanta you know that atlanta game like four a month ago you know that atlantic uh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's up it's max are you in a are you in a bus right now, Max, or a car? No, I'm the cab. Oh, okay. Um, yes. Continue, Bijan. Yes, the home game against the Falcons. A few. Yeah, weeks. yeah. So like we 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 like had like finally a good ha- good first half. At the second half, we just like went away. So like we would have like two or like we had like one one or two games a year, like last year and two years ago, like the two years with Brady. But now it feels like it's been like four games in a row at this point with just bad bad football. And I know, I know they're not that. I know their offensive line's struggling, um, with injuries, and just I don't know why they're they're not, like they just haven't they haven't been the same with losing their all of their interior guys so far. It just hasn't been. I mean, they still got two good tackles, but their their three interior guys are all new from last year. 
right? And because Jensen being out, he's actually scheduled to come back sometime this month, reportedly, which is huge, huge for them, which is why I still have a tiny bit of hope. Um, but they, I mean, they, they got like, they don't have like a killer, like route running receiver, like, like an Antonio Brown, like you said, but they still do have formidable receivers, Evans Godwin. So they, they should, they shouldn't be like a terrible offense. Right. Um, but it's really that O lines interior that's fucking up the offense, the defense. I, the last two weeks with the teams or in the last like three, four weeks, teams run all over them for some reason. And I do not know why I, I, they, I, I don't, I really don't know why it's, it, the last two years they've had like last three years they've had like the best run defense in the league and then they lose Ndamukong Sue and all of a sudden and Akeem Hicks who they signed um is has been out he's back today since week one and they they just go to they they can't stop the run they can't stop these uh outside runs that the Ravens were having or even the Panthers they would just get around the edge and I, I don't know what's what's up with the team but I still have, you know, some faith that maybe they'll turn it around, but because they do have Brady and they do have good, like I think their offense at least will, will turn it around. Does it? Do you? Do you fear that Brady doesn't want to? Because I, I, you know, just watching most, like the majority of that Ravens game, it just felt like he was getting the ball out insanely quickly, and he never did the classic. New England Brady, where he would step up in the pocket in big moments and deliver a strike. None of that happened. Well, what big moments were there? What big moments have there been? Maybe that's the the other concern. There haven't. I mean, there's there's not been. Um... Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They've been terrible on third down, and they can't score in the red zone. That's that's what on the offense. That's been the problem, and they can't run the ball. But yet they they get to a red zone at like especially earlier in the year they were getting to the red zone at a, at a good like they were they were driving fields especially the first few weeks they would be driving and then they would just stop. Um, lately it's been it just it struggles to get first down the struggles to get convert third and twos. Um, but you know hope I I I think they'll I think they'll play well today. I did not think they were gonna play well against the Ravens. Evelyn's like bounce back game. I'm like no way like. They are not winning. Like, I knew they were not going to win that. After they lost to the Panthers that week, coming on Thursday night to play the Ravens, don't know. You're not winning that game. Um, but I have hope now they've had some time to rest. They've had some time to, I don't know, reset. Hopefully something just they, – they do something differently and, and just play better football. You know, I'm – I it's been it's been a bad team to watch. Bad, bad, bad. Rohit or Max, anything to add about how bad the Bucs have been? I bet against um, them one game. I forget which game it was, but yeah, the Bucks suck. I'm gonna keep betting against them. Fuck Tom. Go Zach Wilson and Giselle. I should both of them. Hope that happens. Yeah, no, Bucks are bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you heard it there. The Bucks are bad, but Bijan, one final thing. Are they winning the division? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. So you said that with pretty confidence. I, I would I would not say that with confidence. I would. I would. All right. Vision is 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 dog water. All right. Um it's on the other sort of some teams in the NFL. I think the clear top three, if we were to power rank the Eagles, the Bills, and the Chiefs in some order there, 
I think the Bills and the Chiefs are one two. Eagles are not one two. Okay. Philly has moved to a eight zero for the first time in franchise history. Again, the haters will point to their very easy schedule. Speaking of teams that suck like the Bucks, the Packers and the Rams, um, they've been bad football. Bad football. All these two Packers has got no offense, dude. Yep. Um, and so I honestly would not be shocked if the Lions beat them today. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. And Do you think Aaron retires after this year? Who? Aaron. Uh, Peace, fellas. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's hard to put. It's hard to put the. Uh, oh, Max left. Okay. It's hard to speak about retirement because I feel like that's such a uh, speculative subject. Um, yeah. But just a thought. I have a feeling he might because you know how he is. He's probably mad there's no receivers that he trusts. Yeah, and Rapport had the report today about how uh, the Packers were in the market to trade for Chase Claypool and the Raiders tight end, whose name escapes me right now, Waller. Um, and, of course, they acquired neither of them. But the other team in that division who's seemingly going to win it with ease, the Minnesota Vikings, Bijan, are the Vikings legit? Nope. Okay. There's your answer. They've got good players, but – Kirk Cousins, he, he can't. I don't. I don't. I don't trust that guy. So no. All right. Well, moving from a team that we don't trust to a team that I think I do trust in a different sport, the Boston Celtics. Bijan, we are six and three. We've only lost one game in regulation. Of course, two overtime losses to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We are number one in the league in offensive rating at one eighteen point five. Tatum has for once began the season very strong. You love to see him be aggressive. He's uh, at 30.3 points per game on 50% shooting, and his defense has been locked in. Jalen, still awesome. I think he's at like 25, 26 points per game. He's got that burst to him, that athleticism. I think the guy that we've really seen step up and really replace the minutes of Peyton Pritchard and then some, yeah. It's Tim Hauser, your leader in the NBA in three-point percentage at 54.8%. He has been, um, I think, exactly like the new wrinkle addition that this team needed. So I disagree with you, but I agree with you. Here's the thing. He is doing that. But why is he doing that? Who is giving him these? Why is the Why is the offense moving in a way? where last year they didn't feel like they could trust to play him, where they didn't feel like they did not because he relies on ball movement. You get a good ball movement, he's going to fucking knock it down. Or he, he could, even if teams know, like, on ball movement not to leave him, then you then you generate, like, four on threes and shit. So no matter what, if you're moving the ball and he's on the floor, good things are going to happen. Because there's going to be a get to a point where a defender would have to make a choice. Either I literally just stay locked to him, like, I cannot let him leave, and then you get an advantage somewhere else. But last year they didn't move the ball like this. They I didn't see, and at times they still do t- like isolation, which is I think fine. I'm I've always said if they move the ball, there's time for isolation too. Adam and Brown can have their can have their times when they when they dribble and shoot. But as long as a lot of the time you're you're playing good, um, like basketball, cutting, moving, all that shit, then you're gonna get better. 
And so I bl- I just think the players have gotten smarter. But also Malcolm Brogdon yeah. knows how to, knows how to find him. He yeah. really really does. He Malcolm drives into the lane and makes like a just not like just a great pass outside corner to either him Grant and I think Malcolm has has changed the way. I mean it's definitely Tatum and Brown too, but I think Malcolm changes the way that this offense functions. Um, yeah. I love when he is in the game. I am so happy, and he when he is not in the game, I get so anxious sometimes. Watching them, watching them play, like that, like with the with the starting lineups. It was like lately. That's when like the teams have kind of gone runs on them, and then the the units win when it's been like Tatum, Brogdon, even Grant, and then like I mean, if you have Jalen Horford, you obviously have Lamson do well, but it's been like. Like lineups with like smart, like lately have 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 I don't I don't want to make this like a Brogdon smart debate because like they're both good, they're both different players. It's not like one has to be like there or the other, but I just prefer bro I literally just prefer Brogdon. Like well, I prefer watching basketball when Brogdon's in the game over when smart's in the game. Interesting. Um, I just like smart's great at what he does, but I just prefer I I think they play better basketball when 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 uh Brogdon's in the game. I will say the defensive minded Brogdon does build does does uh bring a level of of stability and and ball movement to the second unit. And I totally agree with your point about there's he has a great right to left hand dribble move. Yeah, that move. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that creates a lot of those corner shots with Hauser or the corner pass like Grant, who then does uh another pass pass to Hauser or Brown who are just so good from like the far wing spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he's just such a smart basketball player and it's, it's now to a level where like last year, of course it was like, it's like the bench was a little shaky. You're, you're relying a lot on Derek white to, to do stuff. And he's been, correct me if I'm wrong, but white's been mostly starting these games. Yeah. yeah. He started, he started every game. Um, and and obviously even when Horford because Horford gets rest on the second night of back to backs which we saw again last night and Cornette plays Blake will play and and they do just fine in our system. I just I really I really really like the rotation we have right now. Um, the minutes I look at the minutes the minutes make sense to me. Um, I think Missoula's done a good job with that. I guess um, the defense Bijan you mentioned is a point of struggle eight or nineteenth in defensive rating is what we are at 114.6. Missoula said part of that is because opponents have been been making tough shots against us. I know in some of those Bulls games, Rohit, Levine, and DeRozan, who I had to check yesterday, like, what the fuck? He had 46 points against us. Like, I didn't even gather that from watching the game. He's our entire offense Um, in the second (laughs) half. Um, yeah, because you have like Pat Williams, like sometimes not knowing what he's doing out there. I'm so frustrated with Pat. I'll get to it. Continue. <laughs> but um, but obviously our Bijan, our defense will be a lot better when Rob Will does return, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't completely like buy into that. Um, because they were good without him last year. Um, so I really just think it's early in the year. Um, even last year, last year to start they weren't good. Like they were actually bad defensively too so um it's not like the end of the world but like you obviously like to see them play but part of it's also the pay- they play at a much faster pace this year that's another change brogdon and like the, the pace they play with i mean they, they they make an emphasis to run the ball up the floor 
Um, they just they they want they want more offensive possessions. That's that's how they play, right? So um I think just make a, a, the games more back and forth this year, right? The the games they play than compared to last year, like at all. How many games last year did they score like 130? They've probably done it, they've probably done it already like three times this year, 130. They probably did it like seven times all of last year. So last so, night was a franchise record for made three pointers in a game. So I can't I can't ignore how amazing the offense have been. I mean, they have the best offense in the league according to like points per game. Um, I don't know what their offensive rating is, but oh, yeah, they, point, yeah, point, yeah, we're number game. one in offensive. They're number rating. one in points per game. I don't know what their offensive rating is. One eighteen point five, uh, number one. But that's not your offensive rating. Offensive that, rating is, so. that is their offensive rating. Isn't I looked not, at yeah, they, I looked, you know, because defensive rating and defensive average is not the same then. Because it's not because they average like they give up like 116 a game and average like 118. I'm saying the defensive rating is 114.6. The offensive rating is 118.5. Okay, okay, okay. And that's the best in the league. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, like, they play good offense. Um, but you know, part of it is just I don't I don't think like the the intensity completely is there, which you kind of understand, but also like you don't exactly like like to to see that but like you also kind of understand it um and also i'm not saying these guys are dogging it but that extra like two percent that you give it it matters and i feel like in games like cleveland games like i felt like they gave that that because i mean you are the defending conference champions you've kind of you and the bucks have kind of established yourself as the yeah. two right now you're the those are the two in the conference that are like those okay these are these are these are teams that we know are 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 dangerous. Um, and speak. Uh, I, I hate to get too off topic. I get I feel like I've, I know the Bucks have started off really really well here. Um, I I hate how everyone acts like like the Bucks are this like uh, like amazing amazing team. Like people like say like yeah because like like because like Middleton got hurt this year. Like oh they were able to make the finals. Like or the Celtics were able to make the finals. Okay, that's that might be true. But the year before, they they beat the Nets without Harden was playing on twenty percent and Kyrie wasn't there and there was a ton of injuries. So they like every year there's injuries. So I don't want to play that game. So people still act like the Bucks are like over the Celtics because they didn't have Middleton, which I don't. Bijan, when you have the Cavs in your two teams, you have the two teams in the East are dangerous. Would you include the Cavs in there as your third team? Yeah, I'm scared of the Bucks and the Cavs, um, for sure, for the Celtics. No, yeah, Bijan, I, I agree with all your points. I think if there's two teams who people in general can give the benefit of the doubt to, it's the Bucs and the Celtics. The Bucs, I think, are still undefeated, the last undefeated team in the They played seven games at home, and they've played bad opponents. But Okay, okay that works out. Um, But, yeah, to your point about being, like, not 2% more locked in on defense, if there are a couple things I have noticed, because I'm like, can I can I identify anything? Sometimes we're just late on putting our hands up when a shot goes up, just just flat out like we're just guarding a guy and they go up to shoot and just a half second late for whatever reason. They're just not on it, whatever reason. OK, and then sometimes I guess caught sleeping, looking at the basketball. Jalen Brown had this happen against uh, Randall yesterday, backdoor cut and one. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's something that I will definitely get better as the season goes along. And because our offense is so good right now and we're the defending Eastern conference champs, I think we are allowed to, you know, not I, be 
I think we're allowed. Like, I think this is the first time, like, we're allowed to, like, chill a little bit. Like, I told myself coming this regular season, like, like, what we saw last year, like, the regular season, like, does not really, I mean, the Celtics started off, like, so poor. The Bulls started off so good. So what happens in this part of the season is not the most important thing. But still, as a fan, you get emotional. You get, you want to see, like, you want to see him win every game, right? So, um, so, but you also have to understand. Um, one thing I will say, when Rob comes back, I wonder if they go double big or if they go, I, I really think Derek White is perfectly suited starting at the two. Um, I think, I think it allows him to make some plays early because he's kind of a guy, you don't know what you're going to, you don't know necessarily what you're going to get with him every night. So, like a guy like Grant, he's gonna like he's gonna and I'm not saying like White's like lazy, but just in terms of like his offensive like like involvement, like you don't really know what you're gonna get from him every night. Um, so I think if you start him, it gives him like more of an opportunity to warm up and you can kind of feel him out. Those two shots he hit against Chicago, that late drive and that sh- and that three, like that's perfect. That's like a perfect role for him. Just kind of be like a kind of secondary playmaker, you know, not like not like not like a de facto point guard at all at ever. Like you don't really want him ever running point guard for you, but just a secondary playmaker. And I think starting makes that, is that like, is that kind of a good spot for him? So I wonder if they go like have a Rob start or eventually have Rob start and have Horford come off the bench. That's very interesting. Yeah. I, I like your point about you've how got a bench. Then you've got a bench of like Brogdon, um, Grant, Grant, Horford, Hauser, uh, honestly, Richard, Richard, we'll see what Cornet, 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 huge. Cornet. I, I was last night was very impressive to me. Now that I think of it, with without your three starting centers, your three your top three centers, you won. Rob Horford and I mean it, it's the Knicks, but and uh, Cornet were all not playing, and you won. Yeah, very very impressive, and I know Knicks fans will point to uh, Mitchell Robinson being injured. Okay, sure, whatever. But I think the main point. It is Harden pretty good. Yeah. Mitchell's out for a while. Yeah. I do like your white point about starting gives him a little more confidence to get his feet wet instead of like going, like being like the savior or whatever of the second unit. Right, um, Cause I feel like with him, he's a confidence guy. So if he nope. comes in, if he's, if he's coming off the bench and he misses a few shots, it's like, all right, like it, he might think to himself like tonight's on my night, but I feel like <clears throat> early in a the game, there's more control. You can get him. Like, I'd like to see some, like, design plays early for him. Like, you know, I, I remember, like, like sometimes, like, they would – like, when they would have Aaron Baines, they would, like – he would always hit, like, the first few shots. I don't know if you remember that, Austin. Yep. And now Aaron Baines, it'd be very often, like, he would score, like, the first two buckets. They would just, like – that extra starter, you just want to get them, like, some sort of – like, you want to give them a confidence boost. Like, okay, run a few plays, get that backdoor cut easy bucket for White. Um, because he can be really impactful when he when he's exactly. I completely agree with you, Bijan. And um, and yeah, I think going big might be something we have to do in a potential playoff series against specifically. Yes, um, but but we don't have to. That's good. We have options. Yes, and you mentioned a point a while ago about how, as a fan, you want to see your team win every game. The Bulls did not win every game in their first two games against. The Celtics here, they split 1-1. Row Heat, you guys are kind of a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team. Where do you stand with your team right now? I think I want to see a little more of my team. We've got a few injuries. We've had good wins against good, good teams. Like, 
the Celtics and the Heat. You want to call Heat a good team? And then we've had some like awful wins. I think it has to do with injuries. I think we still need to get our offense going. I just some nights, you know, like against the Celtics, our offense is so top heavy. It's just Demar and like Vucevic towards the end, of course, his threes. And then some nights our bench is carrying, and so. I really like to see. I think we do have one of the best benches in the NBA right now is Drummond and Drogic. It's very fun to watch. They're actually very good pickups for us. But I really want to see our team stay healthy, definitely. And the big thing for me is Pat Williams. I need Pat Williams to prove himself. You know, if you go to the Bulls community online on Instagram, you'll find a split decision of people who believe in Pat and people who don't believe in Pat. People are very impatient about it. You know, you don't know Pat Williams. We drafted him fourth overall a few years ago very high on him, but he hasn't really performed as well as we've wanted to. He's been struggling with injury. And of course it's really hard to get a player like Pat integrated in your offense. Cause he's not really an offense type player. He's more of a defensive minded player, hustle player, but we still want to see him be productive on both ends of the floor. So I think right now for me, I'm just going to watch, see how it goes. I don't have too many takes right now. Just okay. Be more consistent. I do. I do think it's disappointing that uh, your 17th overall pick this year, the kid from Arizona is just not playing. We'll get integrated in the offense. The thing with him is, it's like he's got a lot of potential, a lot of potential. But I do love Io stepping up in the absence of Lonzo. Io has been really, really good, like in, like really significantly good. Definitely exceeding expectations. Definitely filling that role. And I can't wait to see what the update with Lonzo is going to be in a few weeks. I think towards mid November we'll get an update. Hopefully well, that's a good back. point. Yeah, I I didn't even like I kind of forgot that Lonzo was out, and it was it's not been made a big deal. Oh, the point guard situation in Chicago, I guess, because Desumu has just been. Desumu is really good. Yeah. Caruso has been really good off the off the bench, and yeah, I want to see Terry get minutes, but Donovan's been doing the right thing by not just shoving him in there. He's like integrating him slowly overall. Well, he'll get minutes late in the season, but we don't need him right now, and so I'm not too mad that he's on the bench, but he'll be yeah, used but- later. Well, another guy that uh, has not been deemed that they need right now is Kyrie Irving with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they've been suspended. He's been suspended at least five games. The Nets gave him a list of six things to do before he can return to play. I think I know we spoke about this before we officially uh, got the show rolling. I think we are all claiming we're too uneducated to have a strong take about the situation. I'll I'll offer a weak take though, a weak take. Okay. Oh wait, sorry. Um, you guys are Austin. You're frozen on my screen, but I, I could still hear you. Okay, it's fine. All right, we're good now. No, you're good now. Who is that? Whoa, Jermaine. Jermaine. Okay. Yeah, the Jermaine right. Zoom. Is that uh the the running back for Syracuse football, like whatever his name is? Yeah. yeah. That's not Sean Tucker. This is Tucker. Tucker. Uh, our Vill- our former now Villanova player. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Anyways, so I, so we know who Kyrie is. We we know who Kyrie is, right? Like, he's Kyrie. He 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 doesn't. He thinks he's smarter than everybody. Um. He thinks because he went to Duke and because he's and I think his IQ is actually very high, but I think because he like, I think he just thinks he's always the smartest person. He will find stuff on the internet. Um, like he, he, I feel like he just, he kind of doesn't beat, goes to like the beat of his own drum. So I think, I, I think he was definitely mistaken tweeting that with no context, right? Saying, um, like he didn't, he just tweeted the link and people who have seen this film or heard of it, like label it parts of it as like anti Semitic, right? 
So I think if Kyrie had been a little bit more like aware, right? He would have just tweeted context stating explains the origin of my, cause he's very, he like, he's, he talks about how he's proud of like his African heritage. So he would have shared something like he should have shared something like, like this pro like shows, I don't know, like the, the, the true heritage of my people or something. Right. Because I don't think, I don't think people are saying like him saying that the original Jews were not white is, I don't think many people or people who are, who are kind of educated on the situation. I don't think they would say that is what people, what is wrong. The problem is the film just has hate speech in part towards, towards Jewish people. Like there's parts of it, there's things that it says, there's ideas that it brings up that are just wrong. Um, right. But, but, but when you know, but when you know, Kyrie, he is sharing it because he's very passionate about like his, his, like about his African heritage. And he wants to just show people about like what these original, like people of ch chosen pe people of God, like Abraham, like what they actually, like what, what their, what their race was. But I definitely think it's strange that, that after apologizing, he has to do like these six demands, like, I don't know. I felt like that Instagram post was, was sufficient. I don't think he never, Kyrie never said anything wrong. He tweeted something, but he never said anything. So, and, and when he was at the, when he was at the podium and they're asking him these questions, you know, I mean, if you want to make your light. So like, if it had been me, like I would have been like, yeah, like I would have, I would have said like, when the guy's asking you, are you anti-Semitic? He didn't answer it. Cause he like, didn't want to like, partake in his narrative so that's what he's doing and I personally find that stupid but I don't think he can get in trouble for like not saying a word and he and he apologized and he said and he shared I have no hate towards any walks of life I respect all walks of life so he answered the question but they were unhappy that he didn't say the specific words yeah they so and... so it's it's him being a little dramatic on his side right by not saying the specific words he was sticking to his Kyrie-ness. He didn't want to get into the media. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of that was, uh, you saw the clip of Nick Friedel, Syracuse guy, talked to our class like six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, time flies here. But uh, yeah, never responded to my thank you email. But um, yeah, I don't but like that. So. He was doing his job as a reporter. Um, I don't know. I think that um. The media wanted him to come out and directly apologize. Kyrie was being Kyrie, didn't do that, was being vague, and then was pr probably publicly pr or was pressured into doing that Instagram post. Nike just cut cut ties with him. Um, I know some people might bring up the uh, the the Nike kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, hypocrisy with. Um, Look, I'm not educated on this either with, with the Nike behind the scenes stuff. But um here at Clean the Boards, I think we have a sweeping disavowment of anti-Semitism. So um we're gonna move on from that and um mention the World Series, the Astros won. Congrats to them, whatever. Um I think I don't know about you guys. I was kind of rooting for the Phillies. Um Harper, Schwarber, Schwarber, Hoskins, Castellanos, Marsh, Real Muto, but uh, their bats went cold. 
and the Astros. I think that game four combined no hitter was a huge statement game. And uh, congrats to Jeremy Pena for winning MVP and then being interviewed by the guy he replaced on the Fox postgame studio show, Carlos Correa. Kind of an awkward visual right there. College football, as we wrap up here last few minutes, huge repercussions from what happened yesterday. Some massive SEC games. Alabama loses on a walk-off two-point conversion in the real Death Valley, LSU. It was a classic low-scoring affair until the offenses got going in the second half. Bryce Young, cool as a cucumber, was poised, led him down the field for a 48-yard field goal or whatever that just barely went through the uprights. Um, and then Bama got the ball first. They easily scored. Tennessee got the ball back. They answered just as easily. And then they went for the the game. They would have won. They won with a walk-off. They would have lost if they did not convert. And they just got it in on the near pylon. So I think LSU will be ranked in the top six or seven. Bama will probably be one or two spots behind them. And I think Oregon will be will be uh will probably jump. We'll probably jump Bama. We'll see when the rankings come out here, the college football playoff rankings, that is. And then Georgia beats Tennessee, so they should reclaim number one in the rankings. And Clemson loses big time to Notre Dame, so the ACC will probably not have a representative in the college football playoff this year. Rohit, um, I'm sure you have at least one take on all that stuff. What did you make of the chaos that was Saturday? I think Georgia's taking it all the way. That's not a very hot take, I feel like, but they looked incredible. I really – I did not end up betting Tennessee plus 9.5 uh, just because betting against Georgia football is just something I just would feel uncomfortable doing after they they beat Alabama in the natty. But, yeah, Alabama's a fraud team. I'm really looking at this from a, a draft perspective, I want to see – I want to say, because I think this year's draft there's a lot of good quarterbacks, and a quarterback draft is just really interesting to watch because teams, you know, that need a quarterback want to get the high picks. But if you don't need a quarterback and you got a high pick, you know, what do you do? You want to trade that pick down because that's a stacked quarterback class. And so that's really perspective I'm looking at just because I don't really am attached to a team. I am attached to Syracuse football a little bit just because they're like the closest one, I'd say. So I guess not a very happy camper after yesterday, but thank you. you know. bro. Uh, Holy Cross ball undefeated still, four time Patriot League champions. Huge. Fun to watch. Huge. I love watching them. I love hearing names that I know, like classmates and stuff that I used to have last year, you know, receiving catches and all. And like ESPN Plus, just, just fun to watch. Good time. But yeah, goalie across, roll skaters. That's cool. And yeah, I, I advised you yesterday to not take the Syracuse spread or money line. It was our whole defense is decimated with injuries. We were playing our backup, Carlos Del Rio Wilson, at quarterback. There is a realistic chance we lose these next two games and go into Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts two days after Thanksgiving to try to avoid going six and six after a six and oh start. Um, oh, we're playing Boston. We're playing in Chestnut Hill. Oh, um, you want to BC? We should go. Yeah. I might have to go to that. Well, yeah, I might have to, I'll probably have to do remote desk work for AR here. Um, oh, but, um, your break. That's offensive. I mean, the grind, the grind does not stop and it gets even worse with uh, or gets even more intense with with basketball season underway. Shout out Syracuse Hoops starting off their season tomorrow or today, if you're listening against Lehigh. One quite uh, one last note. TCU remains perfect. I think they should be ranked fifth, I think. And Oregon, I think, has a shot to get into the college football playoff, but perhaps only for the right to get blown out by Georgia. 
once again. College basketball starts on Monday. You heard it in the open. I'm picking Texas to win it all. Rohit, who's your pick to win it all? Mm, going Nova. I'm going Nova. Bro, what? I'm Rohit, going Nova. Are you I'm going Nova. Who do they have? Yeah, Whitmore's injured right now. Justin Moore's got a little time back before he can come back. But once we're once we're back, Daniels, Moore, Dixon. I have my Moore, pick. I have my pick. Armstrong. Pick. Terps and basketball will be winning it this year. Terps basketball. Terps men basketball. All right. Terps basketball. They should be in the ACC. Right. They should be what? Shout out. Um, oh, they should shout be. Out, uh, they have a Wisconsin new Wisconsin women's volleyball for the big win over Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday. Big throw win. They play Indiana on the sixth today. Uh, so. Go, go. You keep Badgers. up with them, Ron? You've been keeping up with them? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I was a big fan of their wide roster last year. I don't know their roster too well this year, but we'll keep watching the games, figure it out. All right. Shout out to the volleyball players there. And, um, and yeah, let's have a fun college basketball season. Syracuse, by the way, I think we're either going to be really good or really bad. Top four. After the top four, it gets dicey. But, um, but yeah, there's that. All right. With Bijan Sharifi and Rohi D'Souza and partially Max Topol for a little bit there, I'm Austin Barrick. And uh, thank you for listening to the show. Damn, no go socks from Ro. Oh, Damn. shit. I fucking blanked. <laughs>